Welcome back to another episode of Unbatting. I'm Dana Pereira. And I'm Jessica Presley. Jess, you know how last week I told that story about how my husband made the assumption about the nanny? Yes, I remember that. The live-in nanny. He did it again. Oh, no. A different situation or the same? It's a different situation, but I'm starting to think it's a problem. <laughs> Uh-oh. It's a pattern for sure. What happened? Tell me. He's laying on the living room floor. And um, all of a sudden, he's like, oh, my God, babe, did you see that that actress from Sex in the City died? <laughs> Which actress from Sex in the City died? Please bring me in the know. Now, I'm online fairly often, so I see all of the things. <laughs> the like, headlines are coming through. It's usually when he's like, babe, did you f- hear that? I'm like, yes, I know already. You don't have to tell me. And I'm like, who are you talking about? And he goes... The one that plays Samantha. Oh, God, Joe. And I'm like, Kim Cattrall? Yeah. Yeah, she died. Her face is all over the TV. And I was like, no, babe. Mm -mm. She didn't die. She's coming back to Sex and the City. That is the big news. (laughs) Joe, 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 Joe. He really just takes it and runs with it, doesn't he? He assumed... That because her face flashed across the screen more than three times. She was dead. She had to have been dead. Well, I mean, I might have also made that assumption. Would you pass it off as fact? No, definitely not. (laughs) Definitely not. In fact, I was at the doctor's office with my daughter today. And I'm seeing this this month's episode of Time Magazine. And it's about um, how... Um, since Queen Elizabeth's passing, that King Charles is now like entering the regime. Mm-hmm. Probably the wrong way to say it, but I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to actually Google if the Queen died. What? Yeah, I pff, I live under a rock. I'm online never often. And I, when Dave asked me, did you hear that this? Ha-? No, I didn't know. Everybody has to tell me everything because I know nothing. Okay. Just that is <laughs> that's something I should know. Excessive. I, it is. I'll tell you another one. I'll out myself again. When the Ukraine was being invaded, didn't know for like weeks. Okay, <laughs> that also is excessive. It is excessive under the rock living. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's probably not a bad way to go. Like, who really gives a fuck if the racist queen? That, you know, like, (laughs) seriously, like, okay, bye, you know, like. You know, I don't have any ill feelings towards any of the things that are happening around me or not happening around me. I just choose not to engage. And sometimes it's on purpose and sometimes it just happens. Things happen around me in the world and I'm just aloof because I'm doing my thing. Well, you keep doing your thing. It's probably a healthier way (laughs) to go about living. Me, I'm like. Kim Cattrall is coming back to sex in the city and my husband's like she died (laughs) that's why I have people like you in my life that tell me these things I didn't even know that sex in the city was a thing again and then Brittany told me our other sister she told me and I binge watched the whole thing and so So now that I know she's coming back I'm excited that means season two's coming right it's come in June like I think like the 22nd or something like that I'm for it yes I cannot wait yeah, but my husband has a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is not okay. I'm like, fact check my husband. If you talk to him and he tells you a fact, it, I don't care if his fact is uh, bananas contain fiber. Do they? I don't know. <laughs> sure, they do. <laughs> fact check him. Fact check him because it's probably, probably he missed the mark somewhere. Oh, God. So, Dana, that kind of like makes me think about the continuation of what we were talking about. How does that bleed over into parenting with Joe? Because that seems like it could have its nuances. Co-parenting is difficult, whether it's with your spouse, whether you have 
um, you know, broken up with somebody and have to co-parent after a relationship has ended. I am co-parenting right now with two people. I co-parent with the boy's dad who I... He's not a brother husband to Joe, so <laughs> so he's an ex. He's the ex. Um, and with Joe. And it can be difficult whenever he does stuff like that, like passes <laughs> things off as fact. What he really likes to do, and it drives me crazy, is Jocelyn had said that her tooth hurt. And this was after she had a filling done. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling her, like, don't worry about it. It's probably fine. I'll call the dentist. Not a big deal. Um, and then I had like said in passing to Joe, like kind of not quiet enough that she couldn't hear me, but I wasn't really saying it to her. I was just kind of, I was like, God, I hope she doesn't need like a root canal. And Jocelyn was like, what's a root canal? What, what is a root canal? And I was like, don't worry about it. Uh, mommy had one before. It's fine. <laughs> like it's doesn't, it's just like getting a filling. It's not a big deal. Joe, on the other hand, he's like, that's whenever they drill real deep into your mouth in there. And I was like what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, he did not think that through. He doesn't ever. Mm -mm. It Like if you, and I don't know if this is a man thing or if this is just a my husband thing. <laughs> but Quite possibly both. It, it's like he doesn't think past his own asshole <laughs> before something gets blurted out of it. And it's another thing where I need everyone to feel safe and calm and, you know, like... It, and so I'm constantly worried about what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, you know, like which, which words am I choosing to get the point across? There's a lot of effort and thought that go into my communication with other people. You know who I don't do that with? Your husband. My husband. Right. So what do you think it would look like or why do you think it is that we don't handle with care the way that we speak to our partners versus the way that we speak to our children? Probably because I'm really annoyed with him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it, it's hard when I'm like I have the kids to bathe, kids to feed, you know, I got to do all of the things and then – you know, he blurts something out that sends one of the kids into a spiral. And I'm like, well, fuck, man. Like, you just made my life hard. Right. Now there's a mess I got to clean up. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough whenever that happens. I try to think of, um, like, how I can relate to this specifically. And I think for me, um, it's not so much the words. And, and maybe this is all-encompassing. But it's more so... Um, I guess it would be tone policing, right? Oh. Like the way that um, my husband would interact with the girls or say something to them. It's not necessarily like what he's saying, but like how we're saying it. Yes. So I'm like, oh, like, and so I'm always like kind of like talking at him through my teeth. Like, <laughs> stop that. Um, and I don't know why I get so triggered by it. When most of the time I think, now – we've come a long way in our parenting journey together. Mm -hmm. And so if this was maybe five years ago or four years ago, there was probably reason for me to grit my teeth and talk through them. But we've both made so much progress and we've come such a long way in our parenting that now most of the time what he's saying is totally fine and on point and, and his way of doing it. But sometimes for me, it doesn't sit right with me. But I have to remind myself that like, Kids benefit from having multiple parents in their lives. Yeah. And the way I deliver something might not be the way that he would deliver it, but they're still gaining something from it. And so I try to reel that in and not like police him so much. But um, I also think that part of it is like what I grew up seeing. Like our mom was kind of like the ruler of the roost. Oh, what yeah. she said went. Mm -hmm. um, and our stepfather was kind of like, okay, I just got to like do he the was, list. He was along check it off. The, yeah, along yeah. for the ride. <clears throat> and here's 20 bucks when we need it. <laughs> All right, exactly. And so I sometimes feel like whenever I am overriding, um, that sometimes it's just me falling back into a habit that I was used to seeing growing up and that I have to make a little bit more space for him to like, step in and actually be a parent mm -hmm. and not just be like a co-pilot. So I totally relate to what you're saying. And my husband has said to me before, just because it's not the way that you would do it doesn't mean that it's not right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, damn it. 
I hate it whenever you make a solid point to me. <laughs> <laughs> but it still doesn't feel right to me. <laughs> yeah. But and and a lot of the annoyances that I do have come from the fact that it wasn't done the way that I would have done it. Mm-hmm. Whenever he loads the dishwasher and I open the dishwasher and all of the serving spoons are up and filled with water. Okay, now wait, wait, wait. (laughs) That is problematic because it's creating more work for you. If he decided to put all the spoons at the bottom but they weren't filled with water and suds and residue from the cleansing agent, different story. I have had to just accept that I'm going to be dumping out water and, and you know what? I needed the dishes done. They got done. It's Yes, it's going to cause me a little bit more work later um, whenever I'm putting them away. Or I just close it back up. And when he says again, honey, what can I help you with? I'm like, I really need you to put those dishes away. <laughs> All those wet, watery spoons. Yes. Yeah, I think that that's um, – I think that there's something to be said about that. There's a lot of times where um, in the past maybe I would have, like, gotten upset over it and made a point about it or made an argument about it, um, whether it be loading the dishwasher. For some reason, that seems to be, like, a thing with couples. Yeah. Like, loading the di- – maybe even roommates. Loading the dishwasher, mm-hmm. if you're doing – everyone does it a different way, right? Um, and my way is the right way. And the to only. Dave, his way is the right way. <laughs> Um, and so I feel like some of those things I just have to let go, just let it go. Otherwise I get myself all worked up for no reason. There's so many things to get worked up over. Yes. These ones, I, I don't have the space anymore. I just got to say, fuck it. So whenever it comes to specific parental duties, are there certain things that you're like, I take care of this and certain things that are like solely on his plate um sure (laughs) (laughs) um like I'm thinking about like our schedule like what do we do normally like throughout the when it comes to the kids like usually I'm all hands on deck my husband certainly is a very involved father um you know on Saturdays I work all day sometimes from from before they wake up for for, um, sleep to after they go to bed yeah and so he's like dad all day and all night and that's a long day um and so he's totally capable Mm -hmm. of anything that I could do as a parent but you know with his schedule and my schedule we've kind of found a rhythm that works for us and so like Wednesday nights we all know that Dave's taking the kids to gymnastics Mm -hmm. that kind of thing um or yeah most other things I handle (laughs) handle (laughs) I'm being honest most of the things for sure Joe definitely comes in and like there are times I actually got annoyed with him a couple of weeks ago for interrupting me while I was trying to cook dinner and he saw that I was like kind of having a day I was having a moment and he was trying to help so he like took the reins and started making dinner and I was like You were mad? <laughs> I was so irritated. Because you wanted to just be in the zone and make dinner? Well, I was irritated that he didn't communicate with me about dinner. I had just kind of like started bringing stuff out. when, And it's funny because I was irritated that he didn't communicate with me, but I didn't communicate with him either. I just did what I was going to do. He did not ask me permission if he could make a different dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know is problematic and that is one of the things about co-parenting. I think that if you are going to be successful at it, you also have to own your bullshit. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You have to say, I'm not right all the time. I hate that. I know. You have to let them parent the way that they were supposed to parent because I'm a person that was raised a certain way. He was raised in a completely different household with completely different rules and manners and everything. So, of course, we're not going to parent the same way. Yeah. We're yeah. not going to do anything the same way. We're not going to have friendships the same way or work habits the same way. Like, of course, the parenting is going to be different. Yeah, the parenting is definitely going to be different. Um, and there's going to be opportunity for you to learn some of his ways and vice versa. 
Um, how do you guys usually split things up though? Are you like the house manager of sorts when it comes to the kids and you have to like give them a list of the things that you need them to do? Or is he like, I can go in, assess the situation and know how to jump in and be helpful? Absolutely not. Absolutely. I have, I've birthed four children. I have five. (laughs) (laughs) I almost said something really creepy. I'm not going to. (laughs) Inquiring minds want to know. I almost said, but I have sex with one of them. And then I was like, nope, (laughs) nope. That is that. No, we don't go there. (laughs) That is not what I meant at all. Man child. Yes. You have sex with the man child is what you were saying. Even that doesn't sound great. (laughs) (laughs) Also, don't want to flirt with that line. No, no. So, um... I I mean, for the most part, and I think that you and I coming from a household where we watched a strong, independent woman handle shit. Yeah. All day, every day, she was the boss. She wore the pants in the relationship. She rolled the roost. What any other thing that you could throw out there that people say about strong, independent women, that was our mother. Mm -hmm. And coming from that... It, it was just kind of like, well, I fell in line. That's what I do. Um, Joe and I got together whenever my two older boys were four and a half and three and a half. And so from that relationship, he always knew that I was the disciplinarian mm-hmm. because I did not want him to be like the evil stepfather. So he didn't get to do any of that stuff. If, if they were misbehaving, if something was going on, unless they were dying or doing something that could make them dead, he was not to intervene. He was to come get me and I would handle business. Mm-hmm. And whenever we had children of our own, that just kind of also fell in line. Right. Do you like it being that way? I do and I don't. I really I, – I think that I have um, a much more patient way of handling conflict within the household or or consequences um, with the children. We don't have to do it a lot, thankfully, but I think that I'm better at it than <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah. It's more my lane than it is him. He, whenever he was punished as a child, I mean, like us, we, you get, you know, spanked or um, it just kind of like cruel punishments even. And sometimes I don't think that he knows, like, he'll be like, oh, yeah, well, uh, you don't get to breathe air for 30 days. <laughs> you know, and you're like, all right, bro, calm down. <laughs> See, unfortunately... Sometimes I feel like I'm still stuck in that like authoritarian parenting style and I hate it because after I do it, because it's just my reaction, Mm -hmm. I'm so hard on myself about it. Yeah. And then I'm like, ah, why did you do this? Or why do you do, why did you do that? And so like, you know, whenever I'm in my like calm brain and Mm -hmm. I'm able to like think things through, because like you were saying before, like whenever you are really being thoughtful about what you're saying and how you're saying it, like it's mentally exhausting to be that careful and like think three steps ahead of the words that are coming out of your mouth Uh um, so that you can portray whatever it is that you're trying to explain to the kids in a thoughtful, mindful way. Mm -hmm. When I'm in that headspace, I can do those things really well. In fact, I think that I thrive in that. But when I'm not, because, and I've mentioned before, like, I don't have stereotypical, like, easy kids. Right. Um, it's chaotic sometimes. Yeah. And I feel like I, like, default to that, like, yeller. Mm. And I hate that. And I've been working so hard on working through that and managing through that. And, like, growth is just not linear, Right. And so there's times where I'm doing like really, really, really great and I'm feeling great and connected and close with the kids. And then there's times where it's like they are relentless. And I'm like, I just need a little break from them. And then I'll go to pick them up from school and I'm in a totally new headspace. I feel totally empowered. I can handle this. And like five minutes in the car with them and they've like deconstructed the three hours of meditation I did that day. 
I'm like, how are you this powerful? Yes. Yeah. And I have news for you. Damn. It, it doesn't does sound like it's going to be good. Not get easier. Mm. I have cried myself to sleep so many nights. I have given consequences like a consequence to the teenager and then I'm like did I do the right thing like am I fucking them up am I fucking them up Mm -hmm. that's the question I will tell you my little angel-faced sweet sweet boys um my oldest although he will be upset with me in the moment a hundred percent of the time comes to me the next day and is like you were right I was wrong I accept my consequence, like apologies, love, because we do have to mold these little humans into adults that are kind and good and hopefully have the tools to get through life and go through complicated situations and have more happy situations than unhappy situations. And like, that's a lot of fucking pressure. Yeah, it's a lot. And we feel that pressure because we so badly just want them to be successful humans. And part of them becoming successful humans is us Showing them the way, Mm -hmm. guiding them, telling them that's not okay when they do something wrong. Um, Telling them, you know, I I saw somebody once say, whenever a kid does something really well, accomplishes something, instead of saying, I'm so proud of you, you say, I hope you're proud of yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm not good at that. I still am like, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, (laughs) and then later you're like, God, I meant to say the other way. Parenting is a constant learning process. And just like with everything else in life, it's just so hard. And you love these little creatures so fucking much that it hurts. Mm -hmm. And you lay in bed and you just sob over like, fuck, am I doing it right? Am I doing a good job? Are they like, what are they telling their therapist in 13 years? Right, right. It's interesting because I've had a few situations over the last two weeks um, where things have just been difficult at home. And then we go out of the house and people are just like gushing over my kids. And they're like, you have the sweetest kids. They're so kind. They're so well behaved. And I'm like, why do they act like cave people when we get home? (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why do they do this to me? They're like, please and thank you. And may I? Like to the neighbor or to the whatever. And I was having a chat with my neighbor and she has grown children and grandchildren. And I said to her, you know, sometimes like, it's like we go out and about and she's telling me how lovely the kids are. And I'm like, yeah, they're so great sometimes when we're out and about and then we get home and it's just chaos. And she said, that just means you're a good mom Mm. because they hold it all together when they're out and about and they feel safe when they're at home to let it all out. And I'm like, yes. that sounds nice, but feels terrible. It really does. But that is a lot. Like, we don't talk about parenting and how fucking awful it is enough. Like, normalize that parenting sucks. It does. It it sucks. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, from the get-go, women are put in impossible situations with children. From the get-go, we fail our kids like nine different ways before they're even born. Mm. Are you taking your vitamins? What's your birthing plan going to be? Oh my gosh, are you getting an epidural? Are you going to stay at home? Are you going to – like it's just everything is lined with judgment. Mm -hmm. And that's before the baby's even born. Then the baby gets here and, you know, some people have babies that sleep all night long. Little little sweet babies that's just let their parents sleep. Some people have babies that don't sleep through the night until they're fucking two, Kai. <laughs> Some know? parents have babies that don't sleep through the night until they're seven, Shay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard. We imagine whenever we're like supposed to have these little babies, how perfect they're going to be. And I know that we said this before in the last episode, but then they come out and they're just themselves and it's not at all what you molded in your head. Right, 
Right. But I also believe that they're like just these like little mirrors, Mm. right? And they just reflect all the shit back to you. And so I know when I'm having these struggles with my kids that like there's still shit in there that I haven't touched on or that I haven't pulled out yet. And that's why I'm feeling so triggered with them. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you ever have a like a competitive feeling with your husband, like you want the kids to love you more or know that you do more or like think that you're the one that does the most or does that ever? I don't know if that's like a theme for me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that it's a theme. I think that um, it's more so like between me and my husband that I'm like, I do everything or I'm like, your dad's right there. Go ask him for something, that kind of thing. Yeah. But not really like, a, um, do you see everything I do for you? Or I think that we're, we're pretty much like, you know, mom and dad have done this and that, or mom and dad planned this for you. I don't, I don't really think we have like an underlying competition theme. That is good because it's unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> now I have, <clears throat> I will say an acquaintance, um, that is in a constant competition, it seems like, with her husband. And she wants the kid, like she's always telling them about how much mommy does and daddy does nothing. Mm. Or, you know, and I'm always like, God, like I'm like cringing, twitching when I'm like, fuck these kids, like they're gonna, this is not going to be good for them. Mm-hmm. They're allowed to have two parents that love them in two different ways. But that's so her stuff. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like that has nothing to do with her husband. That has nothing to do with her kids. That has everything to do with like her feeling validated by the things that she's doing for her kids and she needs them to see it in order for that to be fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. It's, it's tough when we use our kids to validate and fulfill us. It's tough when you use your kids as pawns in a relationship because they're just little tiny babies that are like learning the earth and learning how to grow, learning their feelings and their emotions. And then they're stuck with these adults that also don't know their emotions. And it ends up just not being good for them in the long run. Mm -hmm. Then we just grow more adults that don't know how to handle their emotions. Right, right. My hope is that like... As adults our age and younger are doing more work while they're parenting young children and giving them space to feel their feelings and space to have an opinion and not be like under this authoritarian like what I says goes and um, that that youth as they're growing up will be more stable and will be more able to manage their feelings and communicate and like I see I have hope for for healing in that way for our kids I really do I really hope so and I will say for me I'm gonna do a little bit of a humble brag here (laughs) which is basically just a brag and I say humble to make myself feel better (laughs) but I get along really well with the boy's dad there's not a competition there. I He's remarried. I'm remarried. He works for my husband. They've worked together for 10 years almost. Yeah. <laughs> a long ass time. Um, when he was getting remarried, I never made my kids feel like they couldn't love their stepmother. Mm-hmm. And I very much believe, and, and it took a while to get to this point, but... I am a, if there is another person to love and guide my child, I am all in. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I agree with that. Be there to love my child. And that goes with, I think, everybody. Like even with my husband and I, like if his brother is a role model in their lives or a friend or a grandparent, you know, whoever it may be. Sometimes I know that people can have jealousy play a role in that and kind of just twisting your thinking about it a little bit and just being like, listen, there's another person to love and guide my child. Then I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. That really brings up a lot of stuff about adoption for me. 
Yeah. Um, because a lot of people, um, when they see our family, they're curious and they yeah. have questions. And I totally understand that. But um, <clears throat> whenever we started the adoption journey, we um, wrote like a, a profile or a letter to any potential mother that was going to be, you know, considering us yeah. for parents for their child. Um, and one of the things that we wrote in there was um, if a mother and father can love more than one child, mm -hmm. then why can a child not love more than one parent? Absolutely. We are such a proponent of open adoption mm -hmm. um, in whatever way is healthiest for that particular family, of right. course. Um, but a lot of times when pe I'm open with people about our open adoption with our daughter's mother, mm -hmm. um, they're just, they can't wrap their mind around it. And they're like, Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to call her mom. I, I, I meant like her birth mom. And I'm like, no, no, you can yeah, call you her can mom. Call her. <laughs> That's okay. That's what she is. She's their mom. They call her mom. Yeah. You can call her their mom. And they're like, oh, they call her mom. How do you do that? Or, you know, but I'm like, that's who she is. Yeah. She is also their mother. And I am also their mother. And the last thing I would ever want to do as an adoptive parent is to make my kids feel like they had to choose or that they had to show loyalty to one or the other. She is just a much, just as much a part of their making as I am a part of their making. Um, sure, she had active involvement in a very crucial time in their life um, when they were, you know, growing into these beautiful mm -hmm. little humans. Um, and she's still a part of their life, just not as active. Yeah. Um, because I'm doing the day to day stuff. And um, when you bring up that point about just having more people to love your children, it's the way that I look at our relationship with their mom. It's that she is another person to love them. And like the person's love that they will seek out the most, why would I not want to have that for them? And people have different strengths. I would go to one person for a conversation and somebody else for a completely different conversation or challenge that I was having in my life. Different people have different strengths. Your children are going to gravitate to a lot of people in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, and it's funny that you had said like people get like, oh my gosh, that's so weird. Why don't you like, don't you feel weird about that? People cannot wrap their brain around the boy's dad watching my children with my husband. Yeah, you know, it's when you live it and experience it with you guys, it doesn't feel abnormal at all. It just feels like totally normal, totally fine. It's like as if it were an uncle or something. You that's know what I mean? What it, that's kind of the vibes. Like, yeah. Chris, the boy's dad, has been a part of their lives since they were born because the boys were a part of their lives. Right. So he was always around. He would come and babysit for us, let us have a date night. Um, I mean, the kids just went to his house like a month ago and spent the night at his house. So awesome. And people like cannot wrap their mind. They're like, that's so weird. That's so weird. And I'm like, I, you can call it weird. I call it fucking awesome. Yeah, it's definitely awesome. It's definitely awesome because that's like one less injury that the kids have to carry with them through their lifetime. Yeah. One less thing they have to like work through. Well, and there's no question about like, why does Mason and Kai's dad, you know, live here and they don't call him dad. And, you know, like it's all, we're just like one big, happy, dysfunctional family. That's exactly how it goes. <laughs> one big ball of dysfunction. Yes. Good I, dysfunction. I like it. <laughs> yeah. I like a little dysfunction is, is good for the soul, I think. Yeah. Um, so we were FaceTiming with the girl's mom the other day and, uh. Um, her boyfriend was in the background and she was saying something like, so mom, if you get married, does that mean I'm going to have a new dad? <laughs> and she's like, uh, no, it's not really like that. She was like, but I already have two dads. Does that mean I have three dads? <laughs> I, that's very exciting. Think yeah. of Christmas time presents. I know. It's like parents galore. <laughs> if you are a parent, you have to get them a present. So three dads, I mean, I'll take oh, 10. That is so true. <laughs> That is so true. That's exactly what she's thinking. I of know course. her little brain. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Give me all the dads and all the presents. Uh, yes, yes. So 
we were at the movies, um, not this past Friday, but the Friday before that. And we took the girls to see The Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. Of course, um, I loved it because it was my favorite Disney movie growing up. And there was also a representation for it for my kids, Mm -hmm. which I'm like all about that black aerial. Um, But there was also adoption representation in it, which I thought was really cool. Prince Eric was adopted by a black mother. Um, and I'm guessing father, they didn't show his father in the movie cause he had died, but, um, it was just so cool to sit next to my kids and watch this like unfold in front of them and for them to see themselves in so many different ways on the screen. It was really cool. That is really cool. I was going through Instagram or something and I came across a post and it was about the little mermaid and this person was like ripping it to shreds. Mm. They were like, the, they talked about the adoption storyline and they were like, it was so stupid. Like, why did they even do that? It didn't even go anywhere. That storyline never even developed. Mm. And I was like, I haven't seen it. So I don't know. But to hear it come from a person that has walked that life, it's nice to know that that hits home for you. Yeah. Like, you know, it's so easy to just like normalize the typical. Mm-hmm. But when you add these like little tiny bits and pieces into things that maybe they don't have anything to do with you per- in particular, um, but that's like all the difference for a little one. Like even for a little one to maybe like watch a show and there be a couple that is two moms and a kid. Mm-hmm. Like that might not be my family, but that might be the family of one of their friends. Yeah. And for them to see themselves in that, I feel like it's awesome. It is awesome. And for us, I mean, we were little white girls and we grew up watching little white girls make movies. And we felt like, oh, this is normal because nobody did anything fucking else. Right. Like how unfair for the other half of the fucking nation. Right, right. But you know what? I didn't even think about these things really Mm -mm. until probably I had black children. Um, Maybe a little bit before that. I think I was always sensitive racially. Yeah. Um, But I wasn't really thinking about representation. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes like that crosses over into parenting too. Um, there are certain things that I have to think about or that I do think about as the parent of two black girls mm-hmm. that I would probably never think about if I was adopt if I had adopted two white girls. Um, like what? So for instance, we were at this movie and um, we were there with some friends and um, there were two little girls from school that had come and then there was another um, couple of kids that came to but they weren't feeling well so they left early and so at the end of the movie it was just my kids um and these uh two little girls and um the mom I really get along with her well I think that she's great she is like will self-proclaim my kids are wild and like I think kids should just be kids and that's just kind of my style all right and so she lets them go yeah um and so my kids were kind of like matching their energy level. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jordan went running through the lobby, running through the bar area, running through the restaurant. And I was like panicking. Oh, I would have a inside. A, yes. Um, and as I started to panic, um, I just felt like, I looked like I was coming undone Mm -hmm. and I know that she could feel my energy that I was like getting really like tightly wound and I had walked upstairs and I had said, um, have you seen two little kids come through here? And she was like, no, sorry, I didn't. And I said, oh, well, one has beads because when they look at me, they're not going to think they're looking for a black kid. Right. Um, and she's like, oh yeah, she's over there. And so I go over and I'm like, Hey, over here now, let's go in the car. We went right to the car and we went in and I think The mom probably thought it was a little harsh. Um, But a few days later, I had really been thinking about it and thinking about it. And I'm like, why did this bother me and trigger me so bad? And then I realized that like, and I had a conversation with her about it too, because I feel like this is good knowledge for people who are going to be close to my family Mm -hmm. and who my kids are going to grow up in close proximity with. Um, My and all other black children don't have the privilege of just being wild kids. Yeah. Because the statistics show they're punished far harder than mm-hmm. their white counterparts. Yes, they are. And so if Jocelyn and Shay, both the same age, mm-hmm. are out and about frolicking and they get into a little bit of trouble, 
the likelihood that Shay would be more firmly punished or have firmer consequences is far higher. And so I don't have the privilege of being a hands-off parent Mm -hmm. and just saying like, yeah, whatever, kids are kids. Um, I don't get to do that with my kids. I also don't get to allow my children to idolize police officers as like some like magical thing that a lot of kids are like, oh, police officers, that's so cool. Like, I think that there are some really amazing police officers out there. And we all know that there's a problem with the black people in America and police enforcement. Yes, there is. Um, And so I, I don't get to just say you blindly trust Police officers. police officers yeah and I have to teach my kids that um there are firmer consequences for unfair firmer consequences for black people sometimes and that doesn't um sorry I just need a minute no you're fine I have to remind my kids that there are sometimes unfair consequences based on the color of your skin. And it's a really hard thing to teach them because I don't know it. I didn't live it. And so I have to lean on blogs, mm-hmm. getting information, Facebook from groups, other sources. Yeah. My black friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, they can only live under my white umbrella for so long. Eventually they're going to go out into the world. And the first thing that you see when you see black people or white people or Asian people is the color of their skin. Yeah. And unfortunately for black people, um, black is seen first. Yeah. And you make your judgment and then you go from there. And my kids will be judged in that way. And I struggle as a parent in knowing if I'm doing a good job um, to keep them safe. Yeah. And how to navigate being a black person in America. Because I don't know. I've never done it. So I know that you are like really hands-on when it comes to education, uh, learning about it, how to teach it to your children. Is your husband also the same way? Is he as hands-on as you? Is he as aware whenever it comes to all of that? Or do you feel like you kind of have to be like, yo, listen? A hundred percent, I have to be like, yo, listen. Okay. Um, Things that he doesn't think about. One I mean, my husband is a straight white male, top yeah. of the food chain, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of things that he misses, and not because he's a bad person, but because it's just how it's just our environment. Yeah, he wasn't. He never had to look for these things. So whenever it comes to being female, mm-hmm. and when it comes to being black, right yeah. over his head. Yeah. Um. I also don't know what it means to be black, but I try to learn, and mm-hmm. I try to read, and I try to absorb experiences of others so that I can pass that down. But he he misses the mark quite often. Um. And but he and he's also open to learning, but I can't say that he's like necessarily like seeking out the information on his own. Yeah. And that's a that's a hard thing with co-parenting too because you're like there this is a huge thing that is important to them and to you and then we have to kind of hope that the other person falls in line but again it's different he is a different person that learned different things has different conditioning and for whatever reason it just isn't hitting him as hard as it does for you the person that has yeah. to keep your kids safe and the, the, the mom thing where we're trying to make sure everyone is good and protected. And yeah, know. yeah, he definitely doesn't. And, you know, there was times where I would like fight him on it constantly and be like, you don't think about this. You don't think about that. You don't think about this. And, and, you know, I think that probably I just wanted someone to share the load with me. Yeah. But at the same time, like sometimes I get like so hyper focused that like it might be a really good balance for him to not be focused on it yeah. because I can be pretty <laughs> intense. You, know? it's a, you don't want it to be all intense all the time. Right, right. I want my kids to be kids and enjoy their life as well. I don't want to be like, you know, Mrs. Doomsday all the time. Yeah. Well, and, and I feel like Mrs. Doomsday all the time and not for the same reasons that you do. Um, but my husband just got a boat. No, he didn't just get a boat. He's had a boat, but he just fixed the motor on the boat. Now, 
the first time that he took the kids out on the boat, I was not present and I was very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But he was going with my friend and her son and I was like, okay, I trust her. (laughs) There will be a woman on board. (laughs) Yes. And um, they get out into the middle of the water, motor dies. Oops. Thank God she's a CrossFit girl. So they rode back. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. Then... My son falls and hits his head on something. And I'm like, oh, my God. Again, it's I go into every situation like, where's the danger? What can I do? How, how do we avoid all of the situations? And he is not hyper-focused on that stuff. He's just like, whoop, we're out here having a good time floating in the water. <laughs> you know? and, yeah. And um, that is really hard for me whenever it comes to parenting with him. I'm like, why aren't you like me? But you make a good point. You can't be fucking doomsday all the time. Right. And could you imagine if you had two doomsday parents? No, my kids would be like twitching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They would be cracked out on fear. Yeah. yeah. Well, Dave is also like a doomsdayer, but for like different reasons, you know? Yeah. And so there's other times where he is like super stress. Like when we were setting up the RV this weekend, oh, he was he was like dr- <laughs> driving with his shoulders as close to his ears as possible, like white knuckling the steering wheel. I'm like, Dave, relax your shoulders. Relax your shoulders. And he's like, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And I very much would have been like the Joe in that situation. I'd been like, oh, whoops, there's a curb. (laughs) You know, like I'm not really worrying about it. But I think it is a good balance sometimes. Um, Whenever you have somebody who is overly cautious or stressed or hyper-focused on one thing, that the other parent maybe offers a little bit of a counterbalance to that at the total annoyance of the person who's stressed, of course. hundred percent. But isn't it rude that I have never, not once, before having children, thought about them falling off a boat, hitting their head, getting stuck in the middle of a bay, like Mm-mm. not a single time. No. And now, I'm like, God, responsibilities, man, they are rough. I know. They are rough. I think that I like what you said earlier, like we got to shine a little bit more light on the struggle that is parenting. Culturally, we've been like just, I don't know under this idea that like we have to make parenting look like this fucking super fun amazing thing that we absolutely love to do I cannot wait for the day that my kids are adults and I can sit with them and have a glass of wine and bullshit and have like parenting adult children sounds way better (laughs) it does it's and I like mom you're a lucky bitch Mason is 17, about to turn 18. He's way easier than my eight-year-old. Yes. yes. Oh, <laughs> my know? gosh. Way easier than the eight-year-old. And, of course, like, Mason was a total pain in the ass at one point, too. He was worse than her. Way worse. Yeah. The, I was losing my mind whenever the boys were young. Losing my ever-loving mind. And now I see them, and I'm like, ugh, light at the end of the tunnel. But I've only parented boys so far. I have an eight-year-old girl, and everyone has told me, oh, just wait. It's about to get so bad. Like, And I get kind of annoyed with them. I'm like, how do you know it's going to get bad? People told me that my teenage boys were going to suck too, and guess what? They're fucking fantastic. Yeah, I think that like if you put your energy there and you're like focused on like how she's going to make your life a living hell, then she's probably going to make your life a living hell. But I think that if you keep doing what you're doing and again, we don't know until we know, right? Neither of us have done this. Yeah. Um, But my hope is that you find a way to continue to connect with her the same way that you did with Mason and Kai. And I think that if you parent from a place of connection, that the other things kind of fall into place and maybe they won't be so hard. And And you've already built trust with your eight-year-old daughter. And so, like, it's it's trending in a good direction. I think so, too. And I think we said it in the last episode. It's all about respect. You respect your children. They respect you. You have open conversations with them and, you know, shit ends up working out. Does it work out 100% of the time? No. We're all moody bitches. We all have hormones. They go up and down. We're not going to be on the same page 100% of the time. But 
I do think that eventually it gets there. At least I hope. Yeah, I hope so too. I'm still working on the first part. <laughs> yeah, but we'll get there. <laughs> we are getting there. Oh gosh, I know that we could probably go, um, you know, there, there's so many avenues, there's so many layers whenever it comes to parenting. We haven't even gotten into like, what are you a helicopter parent or, or right. you know, like so many parenting techniques. And I just want to say like, whatever parent that you are out there, if you are doing your best, if you are learning and then trying again or if you are questioning if you're doing a good job yes you are then you are (laughs) and parenting is hard parenting with other people is really difficult because you want things done a certain way and they want to do things their own way and we have to let go of that control Ugh. ugh letting go of control sounds painful I dislike that but again, if that that's what we have to do, that's how we love our kids, that's how we get through this life. And uh, kudos to you for keeping, you get up every day and you just keep it moving. Yes, got to keep it moving. Yeah. Well, keep it moving over to YouTube and leave us a comment. Let us know your parenting stuff. Let us know your struggles because it's messy and it's dirty and we can commiserate. Totally. Let us know your wins too, because we do love to keep it positive whenever we can. Um, you know, we're not about that toxic positivity, of no, course. No. However, you got this, uh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> however, if you've had uh, a shed of light through a dark time, we want to know about it. We do, because we would like to put some at the end of the show, mm-hmm. especially when we have heavy ones like this. Yeah. Well, this one wasn't too heavy, I don't well, think. Too I, bad. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but yeah, guys, thanks for joining us again this week and, uh, we'll see you next time. We're on bad and baby. On batting, on batting, we're on batting, baby. We're on a journey, baby. We're on batting, baby. We're on batting.